0: You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world, with your hosts Chris Rooney, broker at Remax Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at Remax Advantage Plus. I'm ready, Andy. <laughs>
1: I can see that, my friend.
0: Yeah. Where'd you get that? I actually bought it for a wedding to go to, and then I check it out to wear it.
1: That's cool that your boxers match. That's neat.
0: <laughs> I didn't you,
1: you go back that far. It.
0: Hold on. Maybe, no.
1: <laughs> you know Chris never wears pants on these shows, right?
0: I'm trying to do the walk, the walk, the standing podcast today.
1: Oh, good for you.
0: We're going
2: for it. Do you guys have any plans for Cinco de Mayo?
1: Taco. now.
0: That, that little intro got me kind of fired up. I think I'm ready after that big wild win. No kidding, right? I got to show like five houses today, though. So after that, though, I'm Cinco and De mayo on
2: it. So.
1: Cinco and De mayo it.
2: Yep. What's kind of weird is it's only American holiday. It's not a, a Mexican thing. It's just for Americans.
1: Yeah. Well, that, does that shock you? I mean, you know, we we yeah. like to celebrate here, so
2: true, true.
1: A lot of the world looks back at us and goes, "You're doing what?" So,
2: hey, Andy, big news though—the Fed they raised rates. What can you tell me, tell us the listeners about?
1: Well, it's about time. I mean, they raised mortgage rates about a month ago, scared the living pants off of the marketplace, and raised everybody's payments about 200 bucks a month on average. And the Fed had not lifted their, like, key rate yet. And so what was, we we're kind of waiting on the Feds to raise it, but the banks are like, hey, they're raising it. They said they were going to, so they raised mortgage rates ahead of time in anticipation. And the marketplace, you saw the stock market, I'm sure too, responded very well with the news that, okay, they're finally going to do something to fight inflation. They're going to bring rates up a little bit. And uh, and that hopefully will, will slow things down a little bit. But I'm not an economist. All I know is that, I think it stinks that there there was uh, – and, and, hey, this is how it goes, right? There's not a lot of ramp-up period between now and when the actual um, – w- when you're sitting and hovering at three for so long, and then all of a sudden overnight it seemed like they jumped up to, you know, four and a half to five, and all of a sudden everybody's sitting there going, wait a minute, and they, they would assume they would just relax. Like a lot of times they go up and they come down, you kind of follow a chart, and they go like this. But they just went up and they've been staying there. And so it's kind of – an I mean – or bouncing around up here a little bit, I guess you could say, but I mean, Hey, here's the deal. 5% on your money is still a great interest rate to borrow at. If you have to borrow, Um, you know, it's just, it's just more than what we were used to. Right. I was using the analogy of the hot tub, right? The hot tub just cooled down two degrees. And it was like, Oh, it's freezing in here. It's down to a hundred from 102. Is it
0: (laughs) another Andy's analogy? Good one. Yeah.
1: I apologize.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. But so basically what you're saying though, Andy, is that for the mortgage uh, rate uh, for houses, they've kind of reacted to that already. It may be even overreacted a little. Yeah. So those should calm down just a little bit more.
1: Well, you, you'd be so upset if you saw what those banks are literally uh, taking their loans at and then they're loaning it to you and making the gap on it. And it's like, yeah, come on, guys. It's not yeah. right. But I guess that's why you should all be bankers.
0: There you go. All right.
1: Well, market's still kind of the market. Yeah, this
0: is what it is. And uh, it's it's good. There's some really good stuff. And then there's some other things that are kind of staying. But I think it's going back to the old pricing segments. There's hot markets in certain ones. And uh, we're very fortunate that we have basically a, a showing system uh, setup thing that is shared with all the different agents. And so we can kind of get a feel for what price points are getting more showings at more activity in and uh, it, it is it's really interesting and um, in where people are pricing them I was just doing a market analysis yesterday and of the in this area which is a fairly big area in Minneapolis um, there was 20 listings not one of them was on the market for over 24 days but in that seven of them had already reduced yeah. one being within five days. And I think that's kind of a lesson to be learned is that you don't price what you think people are gonna pay. You price based on what it is and then people will push it to that. And you, you price,
1: a- I keep saying, I say this every week, you price to create demand. Yeah. If you don't create the demand, you're not gonna get the multiple offers like everybody's talks about at work and over asking price. You're gonna actually end up like some of, you look on the MLS now and you're seeing some of these properties coming in where they're not even getting list price and they're asking for closing costs. You know, for one, one cut of my clients is uh, actually, we just uh, put all their paperwork together for a cool little townhouse over in a city close to me. I'm not supposed to advertise, I guess, but um, cute little townhouse. Watch my website. Um, the uh, That's coming and they're moving to Illinois. And in the market they're moving into, it's a smaller community. They on average have still 38 days of market time. And what's really crazy is that this guy found a house, listed for a hundred thousand, and the agent that's in that local market said hey they've only been on the market like 18 days we should wait till 30 and then go in at 80,000." and i'm like oh my god this sounds like 2007 for us i'm like they're in a whole different and that's you know 35 40 minutes out of chicago on the south side of town there um almost on the indiana border and so it's one of those communities where prices and the market's not the same so Bottom line is not everybody's going crazy. Not everybody's paying crazy numbers. It has to make sense. So you have to price it so people want it. And then once they decide they want it, then they bring the price up.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> what uh what's in your coffee today, Rooney?
0: I don't drink coffee.
1: Oh, just
0: it's Cinco de Mayo, though.
1: I hate the worm, man. Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's
0: get this baby moving what What are we talking? Wow, if rates were to rise just fifty basis points more or home prices were to increase just five percent more, home affordability would be the worst on record hmm. huh
1: I can nor deny nor agree with that stat without seeing my charts yeah but it I mean. It, it's funny how you can effectively change, you know, the stats really. That's why, you know, we, we all play stat. What's funny is like you watch a sporting event and they're like, that's the first time that's ever happened in 27 years. And you're yeah. like, oh, what, is, what, what are they talking about? They create yeah. hype out of nothing. Well, it's yeah. the first time anybody's done a left-handed free throw while three minutes left on the clock. And you're like, oh, who yeah. cares? So sometimes these stats are, like I always say, right now we are still affordable. And if you don't, you don't think those Feds and all everybody else is looking at that, they don't want to kill housing, guys. I'm telling you, it's too big of a beast. If they kill housing, everything else is screwed. We we all saw what happened in the early, you know, 2006 to 2010, 12, and they don't want to do that again. So anyway,
0: I totally agree. I think uh, I also, and I've been saying it on here, that I think people need to start just looking at houses as hey i've I've got to get something, I want something, and that's the one I want, and I'm willing to pay a little more for it to have it yeah. and Rather than thinking, Oh my gosh, we're so overpaying for something, but you're overpaying for everything right now,
1: yeah yeah i mean
0: you're you're paying way too much for a car, you're paying way too much for lumber, you're paying way too much for your deck or your deck railings or whatever,
1: or as and- most employers would say we're paying you way too much to be here to do this task,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. There's, there's some of that. I, I saw something on Twitter. They were saying, someone was saying, what do you do at a desk job anyways? And people, it was so funny, the responses. Well, fantasy football, um, you know, we have different boards. I, I, I do some emails and act like they don't do any work. It's like, there's, there's a problem. So, yeah.
1: Anyway. I, I, I do think that you'll have a little bit of a, uh, remember when we used to work from home? That was awesome you might hear yeah. that in the future.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. Everyone I've talked to that's working from home says they're much more, uh, much better for the company. And it they're it works really good. There's a few that, you know, can't work at home. I'm one of those guys. I have a real hard time working at home. I have to go to my other home, Buffalo Wild Wings, to get my work done. So. You
1: know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that there's you know, surround yourself with inspiration. And I think that what happens is a lot of us got trapped into our houses and we're forced to work from home. And then yeah. you got a little kid going, dad, 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 you know? And, and so now that just, a lot of those distractions have been handled and, and you're right, Chris, I do believe there's a lot of people that can work from home effectively, but remember the people that are telling you that are the people that are working from home, not their boss, their boss a lot of times, when you're working at executive levels, they, they do have a lot of their staff they can keep out in the, the field But what they're saying is that they're having a heck of a time creating corporate culture through email, through Zooms, through whatever. And so what happens is you have no loyalty. They have to have interactivity and inner interaction with each other to create corporate culture, to keep people retained as employees. Otherwise it's always, I'm going to the highest bidder. You know, I'm just gonna keep shopping until I'm making, you know, whatever I need to make.
2: People
0: thought this was a real estate show. This is good.
1: Yeah, I have a perfect
2: transition from home affordability working remotely, and uh, Cinco de Mayo. I have found four Mexican properties that uh, might shock you guys, and we're going to check them out. We're going to hear your guys' thoughts and see if it's a good deal for our listeners to snag. The first one, and uh, the probably the most expensive one, is in Merida, Mexico. Okay, one second. So Merida is this beautiful city in uh, the Yucatan. It's the second safest city in all of the Americas. The Americas are South America, North America. And uh, there is like basically zero narco violence because there was, I guess, the rumor is a truce between all the um, cartels that they will send their family and their kids to go study there. So it's like a safe zone. I was there, it was beautiful. It was very cheap compared to like a Cancun or a Tulum. And uh, it's only 30 minutes away from the Gulf of Mexico. So you have those beaches and whatnot. So let's go through this and let's hear, hear your guys' comments. A big.
1: So s- it's 519,000 for a lease. Hi everyone. This is Carlos Kurt from Mary the Living. Thank you once again for joining us on another video.
2: Today, I'm gonna to show you a phenomenal house that has so many amenities to make lots of, also amazing size or Ooh. the old colonial feel i think i want it just wait till you see the best parts
0: andy think about how much that would cost to build Oh, God, all yeah. those floors like that.
1: I'm thinking about how loud our house would be if we ever were visiting each other in yeah. that house <laughs> with all those floors. Yeah, echo, echo, echo. Yeah, but you really can't do carpet down there. Oh, look at that ceiling, that's cool. I like that.
2: There it is. That's nice. the area. And remember, it's always sunny year round in Merida. Wow.
0: How far is that from airports Nick?
2: So there is um, uh, Merida International Airport, which has pretty cheap flights from like Texas and Florida and whatnot. But I think it's about maybe three hours or four hours from Cancun, the big international airport that everyone flies into.
0: Okay. All right, so 519 USDA. So I assume those are like land leases, you know, 99 year land leases. So that's not really a big deal. they just, yeah. So 519
1: grand on that. uh, Wow. If it was fee, if it was fee simple or we could own it and it was protected and it was, you know, one one of the things a lot of people forget is back in the 80s, the Mexican government um, went back and took away all foreign owners rights to own any properties. So you paid a million dollars for a house on the ocean. It's no longer yours.
0: I'll leave it at that. Nick is willing and, to. And come I, mean, I know they
1: want to be more competitive, but I'll tell you what, in an environment like that where they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, I'm still skeptical. I would rent for forever before I would buy down there, but that that's just me. Yeah, so they did that a
2: lot in Tulum recently too. I guess because that's where everyone is going, and a lot of money came in there. So people that had uh, old hostels and hotels, the cartel came in there and just snatched it. But I know some people that have been just fine uh, owning property down there i mean maybe something like this is a little more expensive and sought after but yeah. merida there was no crime i mean i felt more safe there than you know in a suburb in minnesota it was crazy
1: that's cool that, that that's what we all want right yeah
2: i uh, should we go to the next one yeah you know i
0: think i think this stuff too is all about i mean it's like everyone's dream everyone has a dream to be able to do this but yeah, the realities of it, of, of getting there, of being worried about crime, being worried about if they're going to take it away from you, all that kind of stuff uh, plays into it and kind of just keeps people at bay. But it's kind of fun to, to, to wish and hope.
1: So is my conversion rate correct? So like they were saying it was 528 meters or whatever. Is that like times nine? So it actually was like over 5,000 square foot house? Look like it. That is, that is. I don't care who you are. That's a good deal.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's.
1: But, I, you know, a lot of my, my brother has a lot of his workers that come up from Mexico City. And they were still building houses for like fifty, sixty thousand dollars 60000 for their families. And so they'd come up in the U.S., make their money. They'd move back down there. They'd build houses that they could house mom and dad and their families and whatever else. And then they would actually, if they got to the point where they had a surplus, they would do rentals.
2: <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so Andy, a lot of these prices too are inflated for the gringos. Like if you go down there, for and sure, do it like on the ground, you find way better deals. But like you said, that's a pretty good price for what you're getting at that what house.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Okay, so here we go. This one is in Islam Mujeres. This is like the island right next to Cancun. Um, a lot of uh, Americans have actually bought property here and it's beyond safe. And uh, obviously right next to the Cancun International Airport. It's one of the most beautiful islands I've been on. And so we got there's,
1: uh, there's only one major flaw with that house center. Zoom in on the center. Packers. Green Packers.
0: <laughs>
1: you yep. just lost a hundred thousand, sir.
0: <laughs> That's why it's two ninety nine.
1: Yeah. There you go. I mean, Chris, we'd get on our golf carts. we could go out to the, the park every day and ride our scooters around. And that I, we, a couple years ago, we went out there with our team when we were on a vacation and my gosh, we had a blast driving around golf carts and, and everything else. And then on the, the, I, I believe it was a North side of the Island. It's a little disturbing because all of a sudden everything's like beautiful. And then you got their dump and, and it's like, you have to drive through it to kind of, it's a big circle. So anybody that's been out there knows what I'm talking about. And you kind of drive through the dump and there's like raccoons out there, you know, and you're driving by it on your golf cart.
2: <laughs> oh, It's crazy. Yeah, there was some amazing property, though, On uh, even in the north to that one, to the ocean side. Yeah. It's, like, gated off, and I saw some re- unbelievable places. But then, yeah, there's the places where the locals live, and it's it's quite different. So this is in the center sure. of the island, which is pretty good. Because, like you said, this island is really easy to get around. I mean, it yeah. takes maybe 30 minutes round trip, like, to go back if and forth. you forward. go all the way
1: down to the south end down there, you know, Nick? Keep going. That's the north. Go the other way. This is – Oh, that's annoying. Okay. So that's yeah. where they have that big park.
2: This is like where the main uh, bay is and like where the ferries come in.
1: Okay. So on the other on the other end of the island is where they have kind of that big, beautiful, like, it, I believe it's a lighthouse and they have the views and the vistas off this island are just stunning right from that spot right there. Yep. The Punta Sur is unbelievable. What you there. I, I don't know. I think it'd be a fun place to live. I'd feel pretty safe out there.
0: Yeah, And I I mean, I don't want to discount $300,000, but I mean, to be on an island like that, I I wonder what the extra costs are from property taxes to utilities to that that type of stuff, that ongoing cost. I mean, if someone invests, you know, 300,000 American um, to just purchase it outright, what that thing would cost them. But boy, I think that would be a, That'd be a fun little place to be able to head to there for
2: sure you
1: would have to change your habits though too with hygiene i know they don't let you flush any paper or any of that kind of stuff so that'd be kind of
2: it's third world yeah developing yeah, yeah. with the water and whatnot okay this last one because this is taking a little longer is this okay a house in cozumel and this would be i mean cozumel is probably my favorite island in mexico for sure uh, there's a little city center and the rest of it is kind of like barren but the most beautiful yeah. water. <laughs> uh in uh nature so this would be like a fixer-upper but i think you could get this for about fifty thousand. so i'll show you the f- the front is uh it's like one of these okay i mean terrible photos
1: we should give maria a call and let her use with some of our guys <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's mary by the
2: way but this what location is right in the city center it's perfect location
1: Yeah, that'd be a fun little cheap way to go down and write, stroke a check, pay cash and have no overhead and, you know, Chris could start selling t-shirts. I'd sell the, I'd rent go-karts or something or.
0: My sashes, I'd sell sashes.
1: I don't know what I'd be selling, but I'd be selling something. I know there was a Carlos and Charlie's that closed right at the pier. And I was like, how does a Carlos and Charlie's close? And you know what I mean? This is. too Americanized.
0: It's too Americanized. That's those ones that they don't work. It's it's that's America trying to make Chinese or Mexican food, Chinese yeah, food.
1: True. Well, there's actually if you look at Chinese and Mexican food, the influence on the, on the Mexican culture is heavily influenced by the Chinese. Like your mm-hmm. outfits you're wearing, the silk outfits they wear, the the rice in their dishes. That's none of that's native to there. It's all Chinese influence. Yeah. No joke. Another, yeah. Another interesting. I learned interesting. that when I was down there.
2: Wow. Another, brilliant. Another interesting fact, though, about Cozumel right now is because of the um, the whole thing that happened the past two years, they survived a lot on um, tourism, like the uh, cruise ships. And so now, like, Cozumel went through, like, rough times, and I think you could get a lot of good deals down there. And again, like Merida, the narco influence isn't that bad in Cozumel. I felt really safe there, and I haven't heard of many people who have had issues. It's like one big family, the locals, everyone knows everyone, because so, it's so small, the population. But... I'll tell you what, If like, you're going to retire. I met some older uh, retired Americans there. They just, mm-hmm. uh, they had a home and then they went uh, scuba diving. Cause it's the second best scuba diving spot, like in the world. He just went scuba diving every day. And he said, he's had no problems in like 30 years since he's been there.
1: Wow. Yeah. I can see that where if you were a scuba or a, uh you know, surfing, sailing, there's so much to do there for that. It It's like a tropical Island um, for sure. Get, well, that's what it is. <laughs>
2: Yeah.
0: how uh, are how are the I mean kind of a big thing for us or Americans or people working and traveling is internet internet connections down there issues good bad
2: no problem in Cancun I never had Playa del Carmen my internet was fast Tulum is kind of an issue Cozumel was not that bad Merida is pretty fast but yeah if you go to like outside of civilization it gets a little shaky but hmm. I, I work from home just fine there did my my podcast um totally fine
0: nice cool for people that don't know nick's kind of a world traveler so you think yeah (laughs) he's i went to south dakota last year (laughs) okay you're on your team trip
1: how did it end up was it good yeah we we brought home a team mascot now too nice yeah (laughs) I couldn't believe I this was only $12. So I bought it. I'm like, this is the coolest dumb little souvenir. That's <laughs> perfect for I, you. I've been playing with it for, since I got home. I'm like sitting there fidgeting with it on my desk. Surprised uh, there's yeah. not some
0: animal inside of its mouth right by now. Little.
1: Yeah. Little doggy yeah, we toy. were. I was joking with my kids and uh, you know, so I put, I put the dog's toy in its mouth yeah. and then I took the picture from this way. So it looked like there's an alligator with a toy in its mouth and my dog's walking up to it. <laughs> and, and the kids are like, where'd
2: you get the alligator? <laughs> All right, here we go. Our next segment, Andy's analogy is brought to you by Mr. Andy Prasky preferred home team.
1: Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing. 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales. I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, Whatever it is, give us a call. Send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, Lots of experience here, and I would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, REMAX Advantage Plus. Thanks for listening to the show. That guy looks nice. Uh, and the
0: analogy, that guy looks nice. That's, an, that's yeah.
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: That's you. Why do some sellers insist on being present for the home inspection,
1: Mr. Brasky? Um, well, um, neurotic. Uh, no, the, the I think a lot of times people are concerned with what are they looking at? How are they looking at it? Could I be there to enhance that, you know, what they're looking at and saying, oh, here's why it does this or here's why it does that. Um, and I, I, I got to be honest with you. I think most of the time, unless there's something that's completely rigged incorrectly, like, you know, like, oh, well, you got to stand on one foot, plug it into the switch, and then you double pump the switch, and then the pump will come on. That kind of weird, quirky stuff, I get. But other than that, I mean, your stuff should be to code. Your stuff should work without explanation. You're all the items in your house. I like to unbiasedly let them view the home so they can ask questions when you're standing there. I don't think buyers ask the proper questions, and I, I or the questions that satisfy their their true um, curiosity. And so sometimes I think you can, uh, for the one out of ten that you help it, I think nine out of ten you you actually heard it.
0: Comfortable when they when they're there. Oh, the buyers okay. not the buyers not comfortable, right um, at the inspection when they can't look at the house. Because no one's gonna look at it and say, "Oh my gosh, look at how look at how they uh, clean the the range. It's dirty." You know, you're not gonna look at that, or you're gonna be embarrassed, or you're not gonna look at things because there's a seller breathing down your neck. So it's just best to be gone. Sometimes, um, if a buyer wants, maybe show up at the very end. You can do it, but typically, I never like buyers and sellers to get together. You know, it's it just it it usually never ends up well.
1: There, there's too many things other than real estate that can cause conflict that I don't like them to talk about.
0: Right. Right. It, it even comes up with, you know, well, what do you think of the neighborhood? Well, I can't stand that person because they're divorced and, you know, I have three kids. And all of a sudden now the buyer is, you know, two divorced people coming together for a marriage, you know, and you just, you just, just got to watch. You just, yeah. I, I just never, I'm always like, oh, geez. That's why the whole closing thing, it's one of the best things ever that's happened, I think, in in our real estate time, is that we don't put buyers and sellers. There's a little anti climaticism about it, but uh, it's it's much better when they don't get time to talk. Andy, you've told stories about uh, different things and people. It's just like all oh, yeah. of a sudden it blows up and people walk out. They don't like each other. and They kind of get a feel for the person, and they're uh, I'm I'm out of here. I don't want to do it.
1: Just we, we just had one about a week ago where they the there was a, a a real translation true translation issue, and the way the question was poised to the seller, the translation came across very rude, and we were sitting there going, why would somebody say something that rude to a seller to their face? And all of a sudden, the young kid goes, I don't think my dad meant it that way. Here's what he was trying to say, and and it's like, but you know, you don't for. 30 seconds, you're sitting there going, "What?" you know, and it, it can be a problem. So so I always say, you know, um, you go to closing to give autographs, not opinions. And so and I tell everybody that I go, Hey, let's go there. We'll, we'll sign in the other room. If you guys want to shake hands with these people, when we're all done, I go, I just don't need us sitting around doing small talk. Small talks always causes problems. And in the event that you think you need to tell them everything about it, um, about that house. Let me make a, uh, you know, a sheet for you and give me the instructions how to turn on the pump in the spring, how to winterize the, the whatever in the fall, how to, you know, those quirky things that, you know, and it's always dads like me. Oh, I'm the only one that understands how it works. And I need to explain it to them, you know, and, and usually,
0: yeah. yeah, it's it's very, very true. And it's kind of like, you know what? It's not your house anymore. They can run their house how they want to be able to run their house. That's right. But, yeah, It's just a. It's just it's just not a good thing to get them together. It just, it just isn't. After it's all done and said, maybe meet up in a week or two weeks or uh, get a phone call, but it's best to go Once through the the
1: age. checks, Claire? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good point.
2: Awesome. One of our favorite uh, listener segments is brought to you by Chris Rooney Home Experts. We're going to react to viral <laughs> real estate uh, social media. One second.
0: I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge.
2: With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. What do
1: you think,
0: Danny? $100,000 listing in Fairfax, Virginia went viral this week because, along with 3,500 square feet of colonial home, comes a squatter in the basement. The online Zillow ad notes there is no access to the lower level due to a resident living there with quote no lease in place. Listing agent Zinta K Rogers telling the Washingtonian the basement dweller took advantage of an elderly homeowner and quote weaseled her way in now living there for three years without paying rent. In addition to the squatter, the home features original windows, some with rot, a dishwasher that doesn't work, and at least $25,000 worth of sorely needed repairs. Who would sign up for that, right? Well, this money pit with a live human living in the basement, sold in a week for over the asking price.
1: There. God bless America.
0: That's 2021, 2022, right there. Yeah, that's, that's crazy.
1: You know, I actually, Chris, I had that happen to a client of ours. They, uh, um, there, there was a situation where an elderly lady had uh, given her niece a key um, to check on her periodically, and the niece had lived somewhere else. And, and anyway, she passed away, and, and the, the elderly lady did not necessarily 100% trust her family so she had an independent woman that she knew from work from years ago that agreed to do this for her to help her try to you know settle her estate and make sure that everybody gets what they were supposed to get and that nobody does any shenanigans. Well, we go over after the, the woman had um, passed away, uh, they went over to actually take a look at the house and, and help you know, get the house ready to sell. And by gosh, there were people living in the house and in a secured building where you only know passwords to get in. And you go through three different doors to get into this place. So you have to know all the codes. You have to know all the whatevers. So she's in there and they can't get her out of there. And they've been trying for a long time because the gal that actually is in charge of the estate does not technically own the house. Mm. So it, it's a mess. And, and this kind of stuff happens all the time where people know the laws. They're, they're basically, I don't I mean to say this, I don't want to see anybody else living on the street, but these people are crooks where they're literally stealing and they know they're stealing, and they've done enough research. So they're not like they're not intelligent. They, they've they obviously done their research on how to protect themselves and how to squat because they otherwise they wouldn't be there. They would have thrown out the day they got in there. You know what I mean?
0: Well, there's professionals. There's oh, yeah. professionals yeah. That, that do that stuff. I mean, that's yeah. Sure. But, you know, that that one that he was doing the video about, I'm, I'm sure the story with that is that just that elderly lady just didn't know what to do. And now it gets listed because – You do have, I mean, that was happening a lot, Andy, you probably dealt with that a lot when you were doing all the foreclosures because there was people living in there and people would buy the houses with that renter in place and they'd have to, once they owned it, they'd have to go in and evict them.
1: Well, you you know, that was, you guys, that was a very common practice in small town America. I mean, where all of a sudden, you know, you're older and you have a, uh, a big rambler and you rent out the basement to a college kid or the new nurse in town or the teacher or whatever, and they don't want to necessarily live in an apartment. So they rent the basement. That was very, I mean, like Rooneyville, USA, before Rooneyville ever started. And, uh, you know, that was the idea there. And so I'm sure it was something like that where they said, hey, you know, you mow the grass and shovel the driveway, you can live in the basement for free. And yeah. and then they pass away and there's no technical lease in place. So um, anyway,
0: yeah. you can get a lot. is going to make this look so much better. Check this out. Wait, 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 it's supposed to be better than this. Okay, let's do it one more time. One, two, three there we go so much better
1: that's awesome
0: those are cool those are those are super cool it's uh they they do that a lot when dealing with impervious surface as well to be able to you see that a lot in excelsior uh different patterns and stuff like that or yep. just like the two where the two tires go on and grass is all around it but yeah yeah it's uh, super cool I'm,
1: I'm probably gonna end up doing that up in alexandria there's a we're 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 the, when you look at the impervious surface, I think you can only take up like 25% of the lot. So, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot with a big fat driveway to eat up all that space. And then all of a sudden you're, you're uh, then, then you can't have a barn or you can't have that extra garage. So if you want to have those creature comforts, sometimes you sacrifice a driveway by doing something creative like that.
0: Remember, remember Denny Long did that with Pat Remick? I'll never forget that because we talked about it on the show in that Denny just wanted a bigger driveway. He couldn't have it. You Know because he needed kids started driving and stuff, Yeah. so they did those blocks, and so it totally looked like grass, but then they just parked right on it.
1: It looked really that's good. cool. Yeah, <laughs> Rob the jewelry store and tell them, Make me a grill. Me a grill, me a grill. Uh, uh, uh. Had a whole top diamond in the bottom, rose gold. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, that's funny. That's good.
0: He comes, he finds some good ones here. That, yeah. uh, that is uh, funny, but I, that a lot of people do need to, I, I, it's still surprising to me, a lot of people still don't know how the commission is split up. I mean, we yeah. explain that, I explain it all the time, but everyone's like, oh, okay, now I get it. And then some buyers are like, well, I have to pay, how much do I have to pay for the commission? And I'm like, well, you don't. I mean, it's basically, it comes from the seller's agent. We get paid by them. And, and you show them and understand it. it's just really, it's interesting this day and age that people still don't know what it is. So agents remember that, explain it, tell people, because some of them don't ask. And it's, I think it's important that people know how we do get paid.
1: It is. Well, if you don't understand something, why would you do it?
0: A lot of people do.
1: Somebody says they need to get paid, you know, six or 7% and they sit across the day and you go, well, for what? And then, you know, it's really kind of crazy, Chris, is there's a lot of people, a lot that go, um, they sign a listing contract. I've had this happen to me several times where then I, on our listing agreements now, it actually breaks that down for you so that it's very crystal clear. It says that of the commission you're paying us, we are paying out a buyer's cooperative commission of blank. And and uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been sat in, sat down with people and they're like, that's on top of the regular commission? That's a lot. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It, it's included in the regular commission. It's part of. Right. It. right. So I, I always give the, here's my Andy's analogy. I go, we're showing you how much worm we're going to put on your hook when we take you fishing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we're not just going to chintz you. We're going to put the whole worm on there or half the worm on there. We'll catch you a fish. <laughs> Jesus. Come check this.
2: Come check this.
1: That was awesome.
0: Very clever. Very clever. I wish I would have learned
1: those a long time ago. I'd be have, the, the dart, the getting out of the dog's way. It's usually cats, cats. I don't know, I you know, and, they, and cats know they have that instinct, they know when you don't want them to touch you, and then they come up to you and they rub on your leg or something. It's like, oh my gosh,
0: we have so many cat stories! Oh, so funny. I'll never forget one time. Uh, my sister, Missy, she's in real estate too, and she was kind of getting a house ready and she was there by herself, and the owner had to go to work. and. She was stuck. It was like one of those three-level townhomes. And she was up by the bedrooms, and the cat was at the bottom of the stairs. And uh, she was up there. She's like, the thing's just staring at me. She's calling me. She goes, you got to get over here. you got to get here and help me. And I'm like, I can't get there. And she goes, well, stay on the phone with me. And you could hear her screaming through the house, running away from a,
1: a little oh cat. A little cat. But she said it was chasing her. And, oh, that's funny. I, I believe her. Some of those cats, they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. I know. And that's a sure. that's a good thing for owners to do. I We talk about pets and, you know, people, everyone likes a pet. Even if you don't like them, you like them. They're cute or whatever, but they're not cute when you're trying to show a house. They just get no. in your way. They just, just keep them out of the way. Because even if someone loves them and thinks they're the greatest things in the world, then they're going to go concentrate more on that pet than they are going to look at your fireplace. So it's just good to have them gone and any resemblance of them gone. So dishes and beds and um, cat heavens, you know, those trees, things with carpet all the way up to the ceiling, you know, those things, they just got to go.
1: Yeah.
2: Do you want to see why I decided to go into commercial real estate instead of residential? Look, I'm a go big or go home kind of cat. And in life, I decided I need to go big. Follow my page to get ahead in real estate.
1: Yeah, those $30 million listings are super easy to get. As my daughter say soupies,
0: soupies yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah it's a commercials
0: commercial is a different gig. I've, I've been very fortunate that I have clients of mine that I've got to work uh, not only selling companies but um, buildings and businesses and, uh, and and purchasing them and it, it is fun. I think uh, if I if I had to back it up, I think I might go in I might have gotten into that in kind of like the mid 90s. But it's a it's a different gig and it's a lot of just on the phone call and you're dealing with people from all over America and more investors and that that's not as fun. It's a different it's a different
1: kind of life. Well, let me let me let me throw this out there. A lot of times too when there's that big of a sale price, I wonder if the commissions are negotiated. Yes, they are.
0: Yeah. So that means go bigger or don't go home. Something
1: go like big that. but don't I wouldn't bet the whole farm on on getting one big check every year cuz I knew a guy that did commercial and he'd go 2 years without a paycheck and then he'd get a $400,000 commission and it's like who wants to live by feet that's like trying to live off lottery tickets you yeah. know what i'm saying
0: yeah well i mean the reality is is that uh, like commercial and residential there's there's not a lot of people that make a lot of money in real estate there really nope. isn't i mean from selling it buying it uh, and doing those kind of things yep. people make money but um, selling it it's just not uh, as lucrative as as one might think yeah. or or think like in a in a grouping hey realtors they're making so much money it's not true. just not true poor being and poor Andy
2: send your checks to <laughs> exactly hey a venmo
0: Nick, yeah. put a thing finger on there.
2: We'll make a Patreon for exclusive content and uh, real estate fun. Oh, nice. Patreon, Andy.
1: I, I don't know what that is, but it sounds great.
2: It does.
0: It actually it has- is. It's, it's actually kind of cool. It gives you more content. So a lot of the podcasters and stuff are doing that, where they're kind of going a little more in depth. So let's just say that we wanted to do it for Uh, realtors more in-depth realtor knowledge that we could do that and then they'd pay to be able to listen to that part of it so you do this yeah so you do this where it's kind of for everyone and then you really dive into hey here's how i'd market a three hundred thousand dollar house in champlin with a three-car garage a mile from the park kind of thing nice yeah just saying i was someone taught taught me that old dogs learn new tricks
2: Nice. All right, let's laugh a little more. Here's some real estate uh, memes.
0: <laughs> what the world would look like if dual agency was banned?
2: Hmm. It's basically saying like it would be a perfect world and a utopia. Is this true? Wow. Not
1: I really. Think there'd be a lot of misrepresentation, though, because it depends on who your fiduciary responsibilities go to. You know, I mean, if you're just sitting there as a mediator and you're like, "Hey, I don't give a crap about anybody." Um, here's what's going on. Here's how you're getting screwed. Here's how you're not getting screwed. Here's how you're taking advantage or not advantage. You know what I mean? That'd be different. But then, you know, that's not a. Uh, most people want somebody in their corner. Kind of like you're heading into the boxing ring. They want to have a coach. They want to have somebody to motivate them. Know what they're made of. Know when to dive deep. So that's where I think. You know, I that's just my opinion, but.
0: There's there's some though um, from a. Uh like in an upper bracket type uh, thing is a lot of those people just go directly to the listing agent um, for various reasons. Number one, they probably want to go to the person that knows what they're what they're doing. They think they can handle themselves and not have a problem with it and then just go right to the source rather than playing around. And I think in general, the people that are getting the upper bracket listings have probably been in the business a while and or um, the ethics are are good and dual agency is a is a serious thing and we can't discuss price terms or motivation on either party's part unless instructed by that party so um it's i mean we it's really hard for the realtor everyone thinks oh oh man you're getting both sides of the deal you're going to make so much more money it's so much harder i would much rather represent that one seller than go represent a buyer somewhere else rather than have it on the same deal it's a it's a really big burden on us, but I mean, I'm very straightforward with it, and sometimes people will try to deal directly with the listed agent because they think they're going to get money off, and that's just not what it's not what it is. So some people have made it that way, um, and some people think you can do that, but I don't. It's not the game I play. So, anyways, that's Patreon. That's for Patreon, Andy. Me researching the seller on Google so I know what type of lunatic I'm dealing with. Boy, I can't believe how many of uh, our buyers do that now, and our sellers. You know, they want to know. They want to know the names. We'll go over. Um, they they want to stalk them. They want to know what the, they are, who they are. You know, I mean, now Why are they the, moving? The ring doorbells and stuff like that. Um, you cannot have audio on those things, and you need to let people know. But now sellers are being able to look at who the people are, who comes with them, you know, how they walked around, how long they were in the house. We can, we time people with an electronic lockbox. We know exactly how long they've been in there, you know? So it's, uh, I mean, it's just, it's reality. It's what it is.
1: So clean yeah, up your- we actually have a few of our, our um, you know, the CRM systems where they keep track of our customer management, you know, kind of systems. And all of those have integrated social media, um, you know, buttons that are on there so that, you know, if you, somebody signs up on a website and says, Hey, I'm Bill Smith. And I want to look at a house. Well, Bill Smith's information goes into our system. And then for agent safety as well, we have the ability to click that, to make sure that they're a legitimate person, because if they're not, and let's say that their social media profiles or they don't have any, right. That, that Mm -hmm. happens. I mean, and then we will be a little more cautious with a person that's completely, you know, mystery person versus somebody that's actually out there they, yep, we live in Florida, we're moving back to Minnesota, because we're having a baby, we want to be my mom and dad, yep. and you can see everything, I think, in a world of, of you know, earning trust, and expecting to be trustworthy, right, because uh, I, I, I look at my team um, all the time, in their safety, and I look at, okay, how do we provide them with a safe experience, do their job as a professional, but yet, maintain that, that sense of, I don't want my people to feel unsafe, and so that's really I think part of it. And then there's just human curiosity, I think, as well, that we're so used to knowing everything about everybody all the time, whatever we want. You know, oh, my God, they just had a cheeseburger for lunch and they had a whatever. And there's some of those people that throw everything out there. So our culture consumes that information and they don't understand. Why can't I learn about this person? I get information about everybody else I want to get information about. So it's just it's a different world for sure.
0: Yeah, I had two people contact me really fairly close on a list of mine through WhatsApp. No one, no one, but my family gets a hold of me through WhatsApp, and some a few out of uh, country clients that do it. But um, and they're like, "Oh, we want I want to buy this house," and I'm like, just hit them right away." I said, uh, "Then you need to get a realtor to be able to show it to you." Well, I thought you were my realtor, and I said, "I'll be your realtor, but you have to um, send me an ID and a pre-approval letter, and then we can set up a showing." And then lo the and behold, lo and behold. They don't do it. It's really crazy. No, we did.
1: We actually had this happen with one of our our properties we had listed. And they said, um, contacted us, same thing through WhatsApp, said they're international investor. They they want us to go through the house on FaceTime. And we legitimately did went through the house on FaceTime, through the the WhatsApp, showed them everything, right, that they wanted to see. And they said, yep, we're going to submit an offer. And they made a cash offer. And then we're like... Well, where's the, you need proof of funds. And they sent us some letter that was like the National Wildlife Association fund for North America, some crazy, weird, you know, like nonprofit. And they go, okay, well, we're gonna send you a check for $50,000. We need that to be deposited. And all they were trying to do is trying to get us a deposit of checks so they could siphon the money out. You know what I mean? And, And get access to all the account information. And it's like, I'm going, you know, once a real estate agent tries to be a nice guy or gal and and then you get this kind of I'm like, oh man,
0: Yeah, no. losers.
1: I held that check for a long time too just to be funny because it was it was an actual check
0: hmm.
2: yeah, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh scams going on, especially with older guys like you, the boomers they try to play off you <laughs> That's crazy I didn't know it was that bad older, on, uh, was like that? interesting. But what what that that file whatsapp is pretty encrypted so maybe it's a decent way to scan I guess so be careful all agents using if you get random foreign numbers what's happening mm-hmm. you right, last one yeah it's
0: it's tough because you you really have to kind of you have to answer it because you don't know if it's real or not real and so yeah. that it's kind of like but you gotta you gotta really Wade through it fast. I
1: I had a gal that was a client of mine that years ago, I shouldn't say a gal, but um, uh, she was a very nice lady. Her husband passes away. She immediately is so upset. She goes back to Singapore with her family. And all of a sudden, I got contacted through WhatsApp saying, hey, I want to sell my house in Brooklyn Park. I heard you're the guy in Brooklyn Park and in Edinburgh. And I said, sure, I'll take a look at it. When can we meet? She goes, well, you can't, but I have cameras on in the house. So, you know, you can, I can see you and talk to you. And on the phone, and then I can see what you're pointing to or whatever. And I'm like, it was so weird. And I, we sold the house, did great, never met her in person. Um, yeah. Wired all the money to her in Singapore. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Cool. Let's see your. Yeah.
0: Okay. Me listening to yet another real estate guru on Clubhouse who has never actually worked in real estate before. Oh my God. So uh, true. So true, so many of these unbelievable speakers were you know, great insurance speakers and lender speakers and now all of a sudden they're realtor speakers and they're telling us how to, how to sell a house and it yes. is, it's a joke.
1: It is a joke. I think that, that what a lot of people don't realize is that right now there's a gigantic opportunity in what they call the coaching arena. Coaching, actually, coaches have uh, conventions. Coaches have coaches. They coach them on how to coach people. It's yeah. unbelievable, this industry that's out there. And so it's like, there's this whole new genre. And it's just people are like, well, what's the most lucrative industry? So they start going after like real estate. I have zero problem with anybody that's in this business that knows what they're talking about. But like you're saying, Chris, where they're coming from being a, a recycling specialist, and now they're gonna be in real estate. Well, I live in a house, so I can I can basically talk to real estate agents.
0: You know, But there's a, a lot of the principles are the same. You know, I mean, it is. I mean, if you call 7,000 people, five people are going to buy. I mean, that's pretty, I mean, it's just what it is. Do you want to call 7,000 people? Go for it. You don't need a coach for that. All you got to do is call 7,000 and I guarantee you'll get at least five deals. Yep.
1: Walk 100 miles on a treadmill, you're going to drop the
0: weight. Weird. Yeah, that's a
1: weird concept. You we got we'll to work. Go knock on doors. Work hard. Hey, I'll that's tell you what, what I'm doing. You'll be successful.
0: I'll tell you what I'm doing that's really fun. I've got a guy. Um, he's a good friend of Nick's, actually played football with him, and he got licensed in Vegas and now Arizona. And this guy is uh, I'll do anything. Is, in, that, and is
1: that the guy we went to dinner with?
0: Yes. Cody. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. He's bought two properties, and uh, but this guy is just like, just tell me what I gotta do. I'm not, I'm not, he's not afraid of anything. And well, I'm like,
1: we, we knew we knew that when we went, we took him to Caesars Palace because we were concerned, you know, being a college kid by himself, that he wasn't getting enough to eat, you know. So we take him to a big buffet that was like $58 for the buffet. And this guy ate a half a cow. I mean, he yeah. was steaks and crab legs and, oh, my God, he could eat. I was I was <laughs> like, Remember,
0: Chris Schwartz got him to bartend because he yeah. was playing at UNLV. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> Poor guy.
1: <laughs> I no should – uh, you should share his information. We should bring him on the show.
2: We should. I think that would be yeah. good. Nick, Nick, get, get a that Vegas
1: connection, up. man.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Hey, so uh, this next segment, how big of a problem is a one-car garage? Say, if you're selling, you're marketing, or what can you do if you have a one-car garage to improve it?
0: Nick, it really depends, kind of where that one-car garage is located. So if you're if you're in Minneapolis, maybe not as much as if it's in uh, Champlin, uh, you know, because little bigger lots and more city life. But I think the biggest thing with uh, garages is that it's storage space a lot of times it's storage space so if you can create a shed um, or ability to be able to add on i would definitely be promoting that but if you're in the under 400 thousand dollar range in minneapolis the house can totally overshadow that garage for sure
1: well and i agree generally correlation between bedrooms and garage is very important because you have a six bedroom house you're probably gonna have more than one driver. You're probably gonna have two or three, four drivers at sometimes because of the kids growing up, right? So usually the ratios are the same. So you go into a neighborhood where we're selling big six bedroom, two stories, they need big three car garages or four car garages. Now that exact little rambler you saw, there might be a really nice one or two bedroom rambler with a nice basement. You can see it's a lookout in the front, which is very unusual for Minnesota because it's very expensive to build that way, but it's cool looking. But the thing I observed right away was look at the windows above the garage. Now, this is very clever. Like what Chris was just saying, this is, this is right on the money. You have a garage that, let's say that garage door is seven feet. Well, you got about another five feet above that. So now you have a 12-foot high garage uh, ceiling height. Now you have storage that you can hang down. You can hang bikes. You can hang whatever. They actually even have some of these cool at the state fair a couple of years ago. I saw a guy that basically had a, a system where it was a bar, and it, had, it would twirl and lift up the pallets. So he had like three pallets wide in the back of his garage. He hit a button and all like his riding lawnmower, snowblower, and kids junk would all come down together and, oh, wow. and then rise back up together. to this, And I'm like, no, no ladder needed. So now he can be an old guy and not have to worry about falling on a ladder. He just hit a button. Pretty sweet, smart, going up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just so it's coming up with solutions towards that one-car garage. But in general, if we're looking at it totally, a one-car garage will hurt you. Um, but there's certain circumstances and ways in which to be able to kind of get around it, and it, it all plays into it. Andy's right on the nose. I mean, you do have a six-bedroom house. You got a one-car garage. That might, yeah, it might be a that might be a problem. But if it's a two-bedroom, two-bath in Minneapolis where they're using bikes and commuting, and they just have a car that sits in the garage, that's not going to be a problem.
1: See, if that house had a three-car garage on it, I could sell the crap out of that.
0: I'd love that. It's a good-looking house right there.
1: I think it is too. I really yeah. admire it. I love the stone up yeah. the front and
0: kind of a walk up. It's they basically got a lookout kind of type lot. You had to yeah. kind of bring it up a little. It looks a little more.
1: Well, you see how the basement window, Chris, coming out the front? That's a front lookout, which I'm yeah. guessing yeah. in the right. back the yard goes down. So it's a forced walkout. So oh, they might have a had a table or whatever it is. And so they have to bring the house up higher, which adds the steps in the front. But that's all okay. It adds to the character. I think it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. As long as you totally. like steps. I'm with you.
1: Because I bet you from the garage, you can go five steps down and you're in the basement too.
0: Or five steps up, then you're in the main level. Just
2: saying. A couple things quick before we uh, wrap this show up. Costco is cutting their mortgage program. Do you guys know anything about this? Is this a big deal? or?
1: Yeah, because the easy freaking refis are gone, man. My wife cut off
0: my Costco membership. I'm not happy about that.
1: Hey, you can come with me, buddy. I love going to Costco. <laughs> I know. I do too. You know what though? I kinda switched because I'll be honest with you. They don't sell dirt bikes or toys like that like they do at Sam's Club. Oh. Sam's Club has like the kid-minded person in mind, the pools and all the cool stuff. Um,
0: but did they so. cut more did Sam's Club cut mortgages out because I think that's what we're supposed to answer here.
1: They knew it wasn't in their business plan, so they never got into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, uh, uh, I don't Well, I, I think, think it's I just saw, a, it, this some. is
1: indicative of everybody else. So the the easy refi business is all gone. Exactly. So it's like they were just sitting there saying, "Hey, you know, are you thirsty? Here's water for sale." Well, now everybody's bringing coolers with them, so they're like, "Okay, that's that business is over."
0: And here's the other thing, I would think maybe the mortgage companies that they're working with got started getting rid of those people that were doing those programs because they had to drop them so much, and they just had a whole bunch of them, and now they don't have as much and the mortgage companies probably can't, you know, do it for them anymore.
1: Well, and you know, Chris, I mean, for those that don't really know, but like mortgages, there's, there's what they call refi business and there's purchase business. Purchase business is where they're working with the real estate agent and you, and they're trying to go out there and actually have you actually purchase a new property. Okay. Versus refi, you're staying in the property you're already in and you're just refinancing to lower your interest rates. And so it's, it's a different business. There was a lot of refi from people going from, you know, four and a half back down to 3% or or six to four, whatever it was. And now when rates are back up, I think everybody wanted to refi was already refied. So now there's a lot of pressure on purchase business and purchase business is a little slower right now because there's not a lot of inventory. So what's happening is these mortgage companies are laying people off, basically.
0: Totally. Perfect.
1: Nick, you're on mute, bud. It's our last
2: thing because it involves our YouTube channel. Make sure to go subscribe to that. We're posting all videos on there. Hopefully get some exclusive content as well. But we had a a comment about um, Stop Wishing for a Housing Crash, our episode on there. And this person said this, poof, no one actually wants a crash. It just has to happen. The only ones to blame are those pushing sales and getting extra greedy doesn't take a genius to see these people destroying the working class classes and communities. The circle jerks of exploiters want us working hard, extra hard to keep the crash from happening that they themselves created. Do you guys think about this?
1: Yeah, because people don't need a place to live, bud. They all want to live in government housing or or their factory housing like they do in China. Good idea, buddy. (laughs) I'm just telling you. The rest of the world sucks. America freaking rocks, man. And I'm telling ya, you, you got to understand that the all over the world, everywhere that Nick's going is having fun. Ask what the percentage of homeownership is there versus in America. It's ridiculously low. People don't get opportunities. They don't have the same opportunities we have here. Ask anybody that's an immigrant that's in the US right now, why'd they come to America? They're like, oh my God, the opportunities here are ridiculous. Anybody can become a millionaire. Anybody can buy a house. Anybody can get a car. It's like, they understand the opportunities where I think people who get fat and sassy, you know, kind of sit back and go, oh, jeez, you're not going to bring the steak to me anymore. I have to get up and go get it. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Rooney. Rooney now. Hey, hey, Nick. I have to cut my own steak? How outrageous. I have to work hard? <laughs>
0: Nick. I want to really thank you for bringing up that comment. <laughs> I love it when Andy gets going.
1: I'm not, I, You know, hey, I might, I might need to switch my coffee to do 50-50 decaf, but I'll tell you one thing. Everybody that I know that works hard in this country and is smart with their money, and as opportunities come along, risk is reward. If there's no risk, if it's big, fat, and sassy, and easy, there's no upside. So what I say back to you is this. Whenever you say, you go, oh, this is a little risky <laughs> That's how you gain ahead. That's how you get ahead in the life, in the world that we live, that we create. And if you don't take any risks, and you don't ever invest in yourself, and you don't want to work hard, eh, yeah, it can be a real tough. It can be a real tough road for the whole life, you know. Got to work hard.
2: See, this is why everyone needs to subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can start uh, getting big on there because we'll have many, many comments like that, and Andy will dissect each one and go after people. It will be lots of fun. And and
1: I do no longer want my, my phone number shown on the site. Uh, I do not want... <laughs> Listen, Andy, right you son of a pig! I, I, I would going through 20 phone calls a week. You're such a dink. Yeah.
0: I'll take your phone calls, Andy. I'll do them.
1: Yeah, you call my uh, representative, Mr. Rooney. You should actually wonderful. have that headband tied around your head, man. You should go around your head.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. I'm ready. All right,
2: we got to go. Hi right, guys. Hey, wonderful episode. Make sure to give us a like, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or views on Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, and uh, post three digestible clips each week on YouTube and Facebook. Give us a like, give us everything, and uh, see it. you next week.